So I know that most of you are already t- cussing me out for bastardizing tacos by, by using a piece of vegetable for a shell as opposed to some type of tortilla. Diz Runs Radio, episode 755, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. guys so uh, today it is uh that time of the month where we dive deep into some questions uh hopefully have some answers hopefully have some answers that are actually helpful slash useful we will see you you can be the judge on that somewhere uh you know in the neighborhood of the next uh, 45 minutes or so you can decide whether my answers today were helpful at all but that's right it is once again time for the little listener Q&A episode that we do every month. Um, and with the, the new shakeup in the, the show schedule, dropping back from three episodes a week to two episodes a week, uh, the Q&As have now moved, at least for now, I would say permanently, but who knows? Who knows what the future holds? Maybe things will change up again at some point. But for now, Q&As are happening on Friday. It'll be always the last Friday of every month. Um, so a little bit of a change, and, and that means obviously one less Q, uh, QT, one less quick tip each month, but uh, that's all right. That's all right. We'll, we'll make this work. And uh, obviously, your feedback is, uh, you know, helps with making these decisions. So let me know what you think after we've played this out for a month or two. Kind of, if you like the new schedule, um, let me know, and we'll kind of, you know, keep on keeping on. Or if if there's enough enough people saying, whoa, 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 what is going on? Then maybe we'll we'll take a look at, at changing some things up a bit. But for now, this is this is how it is. Still doing the Q and A episodes. Y'all love these episodes. I enjoy doing them, so they're not going anywhere. Um, but apparently today, apparently this month, apparently July 2019, y'all were on vacation just like I was because uh, we've had a lot of questions the last several months. I mean, you know, I think the last Q&A episode, the June one, it was like an hour and a half, like 20-something questions. It was it was ridiculous. Um, this time around, there's like 10 questions. And so, who knows? I mean, I'll get, I'll get going on a tangent and it might still end up being an hour and a half long with half as many questions. Not out of the realm of possibility. If you've been around a while, you know that. But uh, the, if you're new to the show, you know, welcome. And uh, like I said, like I have said a couple times here already, this is something we do every month where, where you ask questions of me, could be running related, could be uh, non-running related, could be fun, could be serious. Uh, uh, any and all questions are, are always, you know, I, I'll, take, I'll take them all and then I try to answer them. And uh, obviously the ones that are more serious questions, I try to answer um, with hopefully some usable, helpful uh, worthwhile information. I make no promises. You're getting free advice, free information. I try to make it useful, but you know, even even Babe Ruth strikes out once in a while. So if I miss, if I swing and miss, please forgive me. Um, but if you want to get your questions in to a, a future Q and A episode, you can you can send me questions any way you want. But I will I will say that if you send them to my email, if you hit me up on social media. Um, there is at least a 50-50 chance that I'm going to lose sight of it, forget about it uh, by the time the next Q&A episode rolls around. Your best way to make sure that you get your questions asked and then obviously answered is to join up in the Facebook group. So head over to uh, disruns.com slash Facebook or the next time you're on Facebook, just do a little quick search in the in the old bar there for uh, the Disruns tribe. Come join our group. Uh, we're, I like to think we're a pretty good group. Lots of, lots of fun goes on in there. Lots of memes, lots of, uh, good natured ribbing and some jokes and obviously lots of support. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great part of the running community. The running community is, is a pretty great community in and of itself. So we, we, but we always have room for more. Uh, and if you come in and prove to be kind of a, a douche, then we just kick you on out and, and make sure that the group stays, stays good for everyone. So come check it out. Disruns.com slash Facebook is the link that'll get you right there or just click the, or like I said, or just search Dizruns Tribe, click to join. We'll add you. Don't worry about that. I'll get you added. It usually takes less than less than a day, probably less than about six hours most of the time. But sometimes it might take a, a little bit while longer. But uh, we'll get you in the group, uh, get you pointed in the right direction, and, and please make yourself feel at home. And then just be on the lookout. Somewhere middle of the month, I'll put a post up that says, what are your questions for this month? You put your questions into the, uh, you know, as a, as a reply, as a comment to the post. And I read through the questions and answer them on the Q&A. And that is what we are about to do starting right 
now. So the first question comes from Peter. He says, can you discuss differences with all the race nutrition types? Goo, gels, gum. What's the difference with them and where does one start? So, uh, Peter, I would, I would somewhat seriously say, actually, I very seriously say the difference is, is really all personal preference. And, and for me, the difference is which one is the least gross. Um, I, you know, if you've been around for very long, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of, of gels at all. I, I, I am an anti gel person. I, I, I don't take them. Don't like them. For me, it's all just about the texture. I, I can't choke down a gel. So if, if I'm at a point where I'm desperate enough that I need some type of sugar for fuel uh, on race day, gel's not going to work for me. I'm going to need something I can chew on, some type of, of block or jelly bean or gummy candy or something like that that I can chew. I, I just it's it's a it's a texture issue for me straight up with the with the gels and the goos and all those types of con- congealed sugar mess. Um, I don't I, I've tried them several times. Nope, not not doing it. Um, but, but really, I mean, really the difference in, in, if you wanted to get super technical, I'm sure you could find some are sucrose, some are glucose, some are fructose, blah, 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 blah. Some have caffeine, some don't look at the labels and you can see kind of what some of the differences are. Um, but really it just boils down to what, what works best for you? What, what flavors do you like? Um, how many calories are in them? So some of them might have more calories, more fuel. Some might have a little bit less. Um, you know, do you want to have, uh, a whole big mess of calories all at once, or do you like to space them out a little bit? Uh, that's another reason that I've never been much of a gel guy is because I would like to take, you know, a couple of jelly beans or a couple of, of chews when I was still fueling that way. I would take those things, you know, every like half an hour instead of, but take like one or two chews and just have a pretty steady drip of calories instead of this one big massive glop of sucrose congealed in my stomach, uh, and then not hitting anything for another hour, hour and a half or whatever. So, um, you know, really they're all, all of the, the package stuff, at least it's all just simple carbs. Uh, there's no real nutritional value to it other than it's quick burning fuel. Um, but it just boils down to what, what you like, what works best for you. Um, I'm, I'm, I've said before, I'll say it again. I'm a fan of real food if, if at all possible, which is probably one of the reasons I'm starting to gravitate more towards trail racing and, and certainly towards the ultra running scene where there's, there's fruit and there's, uh, pickles and there's, there's actual bits of food that you can get as opposed to just a, a nasty gel or something like that. Also being more fat adapted means I don't have to fuel and I don't fuel for other than like, I might have some Gatorade or some tailwind, something like that, but I don't really fuel for, um, marathons anymore. And I certainly don't feel at all for long runs, just, just water. Um, and that's it, but that that's, that's something that's worked for me. And, and again, it goes back to what I originally answered, Peter trial and error. You just got to try some different things. So where does one start? P- pick one, whatever, um, go to the running store, pick up, you know, a couple of, of different types of chews, a couple of different types of, of gels, a couple of gums, a couple of beans, you get, get a couple of honey stinger type of things. Um, you know, get, get a variety of different options, and then over the next two, three, four, five weeks of, of training, um, or the next couple of races, if you're, if you're bold enough to try something on race day, try out some different things and see what works, what works for you. What flavors you like? Do you like the caffeine or do you like the non-caffeine? Do you like, um, you know, take a, a big hit at once, or do you like to space it out where you might need some, some beans or some, some chew, something like that. Uh, but just try, try the different things, see how, how your body feels, how your body responds, and then adapt, adjust, try something different. Um, you might find that certain brands of gels work better than others. Note that stick with that. Um, it's really just comes down to trial and error, but, but at at the end of the day, they're all, I, and and don't send me all the letters. This this one's different than they're all basically the same. Yes. There's subtle differences. Like I said, they're all basically the same. Find what works best for you and then go with it. Maybe try a little experimenting once in a while just to see, cause you never know. You might find something new that works even better for you. But once you find a few things that work, you're, you're pretty much good to go. Um, this next question is actually the next two kind of replies to Peter's original question, which don't usually, uh, lead to other questions, but kind of played off the same thing. So we're kind of just going to continue on and make the next one, uh, the next two kind of questions of their own, but they're all kind of related to this whole nutrition thing. So Jennifer then asks, I'd like to add to the topic by asking if the use of salt tabs during training slash racing can be addressed, like how, when, why, etc. So when it comes to, to taking in salt, um, 
you know, it's it's one of those things that, that honestly, I've never done. I've never like taken a proper salt salt tab or a packet of salt or something like that on on race day. Just never have. Um, doesn't mean I haven't taken in salt or electrolytes though. So um, during during the summer, especially, that's something that's it's a bit more um, talked about because of, we're sweating heavier. Obviously, it's hot out. You're running, you're sweating, and you know, obviously, you're losing the fluids in the sweat, but you're also losing the, the the salts of your body, the electrolytes, the the sodium, the potassium, all those types of things leach out as part of the sweating and perspiration process. So those things have to be replaced. Now, the the, the trick here, and and again, this is going to kind of be a trial and error answer. Like all three of these questions are going to kind of all have the same answer. You just got to try different things and find what works best for you. But when it comes to replacing salt, first you need to kind of address or at least think about, do you even really need to worry about replacing salt? So, you know, how far are you running? If you're quote unquote, only doing a 5k or a 10k, something like that, you're probably not going to be out long enough that you're going to be sweating long enough that or sweating enough that you really even need to worry about replacing salt for a run like that. If you're doing a 50 mile ultra, a 50 K ultra, a marathon, something like that. Well, now maybe you're going to be out there for three, four, five, six, eight, ten 10 hours. Well, if it's if it's hot enough and you're sweating enough, then yeah, replacing the, some salts probably going to be important. So then then that gets to should I take the pills, whatever. Um, another thing to consider: how salty of a sweater are you actually? You know, are you the type of, of runner that you know when you when you get in from your run and you sit down for a minute, you kind of stop sweating, you start to see the white show up all over your your clothes, your hat, whatever your your gear where your sweat was, whether you you leached out so much salt in your sweat that it's literally visible on your, on your running clothes. Well, in that case, you're a pretty salty sweater. So again, you probably need to be more aware, more cognizant of the need to replace salt during some of your long runs because you're leaching out so much of it for whatever reason. And I don't know why it's some body chemistry, I guess I, I am not a salty sweater. I mean, I can, I can wear the same, you know, if you look at my, um, armband from, you know, when I was using an iPod from years ago to run in, I don't think that that thing has ever been washed and it's been run in hundreds of times and it still doesn't have any salt shown up on it versus somebody who's a salty sweater. You might take it out for one, one eight miler in the summertime and you get back in, you let that thing cool down and my gosh, it is, it is caked with crystallized salt on it. Um, you know, so it's just, it's just the way it is. So if you're a saltier sweater, you need to replace uh, if you're going to be out for a really long time when it's hot out, even if you're not a super salty sweater, you're probably going to want to replace. Um, but, but knowing those variables will, will help to determine how often when things like that, I know some folks will take a salt tablet before they even start a long run or a race when it's hot out because they know they're going to need it. And then, you know, then maybe you take another one every couple of hours, every time you refill your, your water, you know, your, your, if you've got a, a pack and you got, you know, you're carrying water with you, every time you refill your water, you take another one, whatever, again, trial and error. You got to figure out kind of what's the right mix when it comes to taking in salts. You probably, I mean, you, you, if you got ridiculous, you could overdo it, but you know, err on the side of maybe taking a little bit too much and you'll be fine. Um, also don't forget that if you're doing some type of Gatorade or tailwind or any type of sports drink, those have salts in them. Uh, you know, some of the, some of the fuels that you might take, look at them. They might have some salt in them. Um, what else was I going to say? There's one other thing I was going to add. Oh, you know, when it comes to, to my, my pseudo rule of never say no to potato chips on race day, part of the reason I do that it's got a little salt in it. So, you know, you might be taking in some salt, some other places as well. But again, if you're a really heavy salt, heavy, uh, real salty sweater, you might want to take in some extra salt. And then it's just kind of, again, trial and error, figuring out what is the right mix for you. Um, the, the next question comes from Jackie, kind of the, the third, uh, the, the trifecta piece of the trial and error trio of questions. How many times can I make a, a three kind of pun in there? Uh, but she says, uh, same thread, best ways to effectively run in the heat regarding changing routines with gels, Gatorade, water, caffeine, etc. even post run as well. She says, I know to run early, dress light clothes, etc., etc. But my, my goal race is in the fall. I'm used to being, I'm used to the goal race being in the spring. So I feel like I know how to train and run through the winter, but this summer running thing leaves me feeling more depleted. Well, well, yeah, Jackie, it, it, it does. Welcome, welcome to the club of those of us that have to train through the summer. Um, it's brutal. It's brutal out there. And, and I know, you know, hopefully the weather has broken a little bit for you where you are, but, um, you know, just a, a week or so ago, as this episode comes out the end of July, 2019, it was wicked hot. 
in a lot of places, like super heat extreme warnings, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, the heat is the heat is brutal. The heat is tough. It takes it out of you. Um, and and you know, kind of going back to to some of the previous questions here um, from from Peter and Jennifer, you know, you kind of have to try and play with different things. Play with taking more water. Play with taking more Gatorade. Play with what you're fueling. Um, there's no there's no good guideline as far as what what everyone needs to do. There's, there's no one size fits all on this type of thing. Um, depending on how adapted you are to training in the heat, depending on how used to it you are, um, you know, you may need more, you might need less. You might need to take a bit more salt. Um, I know that if you, if you run out of, or at least for me, if I do happen to run low on salt some days, or I'm taking in a lot of water and not replacing any salt with my water, um, you know, that can leave me feeling a little bit more of a headache, something like that. So then after I, uh, after I finish my run, maybe I have, you know, if I'm going to have breakfast, something like that, I'm going to make sure there's a little bit extra salt in it. Um, you know, salt, a little saltier eggs or, uh, making sure I'm taking a little bit more peanut butter that has a salt in it or, or whatever, you know, something that's got some saltiness to it to just help replace that a little bit. I also, and I do this year round, but I live in Florida, so maybe it, it makes sense. Um, but when I prep my water bottles, I don't put any, any, uh, you know, Gatorade powder or anything like that in them, but, but the water bottles that I carry have salt in them as well. So it's, it's not, uh, not much, a couple of dashes of sea salt, a little bit of vitamin C powder. Um, and, and that's kind of what I drink when I'm running. So I'm replacing a little bit of salt as I go. So you might tr- try some of those type of options, play with that a little bit. Um, the big thing that I would suggest that you don't bring up in your question, but I've been doing this long enough to know that this might be a factor. I don't know your specific situation, Jackie. So if I'm, if I'm completely missing the boat again, free advice, I do what I can, but if I'm missing the boat, I apologize. But if you typically are training in the cooler months for a spring race, and now you're training for a big goal race in the fall, which leaves you training during the, 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 you know, July, August, the, the hot parts of the summer, um, think about, or keep in mind that your body is working a lot harder in the summer months to stay cool which is why you're feeling so much more worn out, so much more depleted at the end of, of a workout. So you might need to back off your pace a little bit. You know, uh, if, if you're used to doing, you know, whatever, uh, 10 miles at 10 minute pace in the winter months leading up to your, to a spring goal race, don't feel like you're going to be that you should, or even that you, you would be able to, but again, or that you should feel like you need to do 10 miles at 10 minute pace, in the summer months, all right, that might be 10 miles at 11 minute or 11.30 pace or 12 minute pace because your body's working so much harder to cool itself, you need to respect that and back off. So, you know, that that's a very likely reason why you might be feeling depleted is you might just be pushing too hard. And I know you all get sick of me talking about running easy, running easy, running easy, but this is this is exactly why. If, if that 10 minutes at, or 10 miles at 10 minute pace in March feels like a six out of 10, you can't tell me that 10 minutes at 10 minute, at, at 10 miles at 10 minute pace in July also feels like a six out of 10. It probably feels like an eight, eight and a half, maybe a nine. You're redlining out there training for this race, potentially again, not, not casting stones here, Jackie, but just a, as a possibility of what might be more of the issue than the fueling type of situation, you're redlining out there for 10 miles thinking that this is what I've always done for my training. You're forgetting that it's, it's 30, 40, 50 degrees warmer than it is when you're used to training in February and March. So keep that in mind. That might be something that you need to do. Back off the pace a little bit. You know, I promise you, you'll still be just fine on race day. Like that, this stuff works. This, this whole running easy thing definitely works. But if, if that's the case, back off. If that's not the case, if you have already made those pace adjustments, then just keep playing with the variables. Play with when you need to fuel play with making sure you've got some salt, maybe try some salt tabs like Jennifer asked or something like that, that, that gives you a little bit of extra electrolyte boost because you're sweating those things out. Um, and, and replace stuff afterwards, replace the fuel, replace the salt, replace the water after your run. Um, and, and hopefully that'll help you not feel so worn down the rest of the day, but it's, it's a different beast chaining in the summertime. It's, it's extra stress on your body and you need to accept that, appreciate that and adapt things a little bit because of it. So hopefully that helps. Uh, ultimately, just like everybody else's question there, Peter's, Jennifer's, and Jackie's is all to kind of just come down to trial and error, but hopefully a little bit of insight and, and some of the uh, other things will help each of the, each of them figure it out. And, and those of you listening that have similar questions, hopefully it'll help you guys as well. Next question 
coming from Sharon says, so if I may or may not have cracked a rib playing in the ocean, dot, 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 how much exercise is too much? It hurts, but it isn't excruciating. Should I continue my training, including my twice weekly strength slash cardio workouts? If I can stand the pain or am I risking making it worse? So Sharon, I, I give you a quick answer to this one, uh, just because I didn't want to have to wait, you know, a week and a half to, to get the answer. Um, but I'll go a little bit more in depth here. And for anybody else listening, if you have rib issues, here's kind of some some general guidelines when it comes to ribs. Obviously, every situation is going to be a little bit unique. You know, again, no one size fits all, but just some general advice. Um, if you if you crack a rib, do anything to you know strain a muscle in your rib cage, anything like that, it hurts. It hurts every time you breathe in, every time you breathe out, because your rib cage. As, as it's designed to function, expands and contracts as your lungs expand and contract as you breathe, which is why it might hurt a little bit. But then if you do anything bigger than that, if you do a cough, you do a sneeze, you start working out where you're breathing more forcefully, you're breathing more rapidly, um, it hurts worse. All right. Um, that said, if it doesn't hurt that much when you're just kind of at rest and there's no like things that you can feel. If you can move your hands around your rib cage, everything feels normal. No ribs are no like bones are really like sticking out. You have a big crazy lump on the side of your, of your, of your abdomen, your, your abdominal cavity, your thoracic cavity, I guess your, your rib cage area where there's something that's just not where it's supposed to be, which is going to be not very likely. It does happen, but as long as, as long as everything feels like it's normal, everything's in place. It just kind of hurts a bit when you're breathing. You can pretty much keep doing whatever activities Without real risk of making it worse, you might slow down the healing process, so keep that in mind, but you're probably not going to make the situation worse, all right? It's just going to not be very comfortable. So you can probably run. You can probably do some things as long as it's not stuff where you're going to be getting slapped on the chest or getting running into things. You know, might want to not do um, a lot of, of burpees, you know, if you've got a, a, a rib issue, um, but you can probably carry on without making it worse. That said, you know, pain is a, is a signal that your body is trying to, to do some healing here. And like I said, doing too much activity could prolong the healing process. So, you know, uh, depending on where you're in a training cycle, it might be good to kind of back off a little bit. Um, you can also get like a wrap or something like that that goes around your, your ribs that you're not wrapping it too tight, but you're trying to, to limit the expansion and contraction of your rib cage um, to kind of just help decrease the severity of the pain. Might make it a little bit hard to breathe. Probably keep the effort pretty easy. Um, you know, not, not trying to do some, some hammer and speed workouts or anything like that. Um, but that can help to, to help with the healing process, but still allow you to do some work as well. So there's, there's some things you can do if it's, if it's just, you know, um, not a major, not a broken rib, something like that, a dislocated rib, those types of things. Yeah. And you're going to know because you're going to, it's going to be so painful. There's not going to be no leaving a Facebook question or asking about it or whatever. That's, that's, go right to the hospital type of situation. Um, but if it's just something, something's not quite right, bruised, cracked, muscle strain, intercostal strain, something like that, the treatment for all of those things is just kind of rest, you know? So you, you can you can do some, some exercise if you want, if you can tolerate it. Um, but if not, just kind of lay low and hopefully in a week, 10 days, two weeks, something like that, you're starting to feel better. And then you can start to push a little bit more um, because the pain's not going to be as severe. So hope all that makes makes sense, uh, Sharon. And hope by now, since since you asked the question a little while ago, I uh, hope by now you're already feeling better as it is. Um, next question comes from Alan. It says, how can I ask this delicately? Ooh, always love, love a question that leads off like that. Ah, forget social niceties. We're among runners here. He says, have you ever brought TP along with you for a run or regret that you didn't? Are there preventative measures to prevent the dreaded tummy gurgles? I've had a few calls that were closer than I would like to admit. Uh, no, Alan, I have never, ever brought toilet paper with me. Uh, I, I can't really foresee that I would. Um, you know, again, never, I'm never going to say never. Who knows? Uh, but as as it stands right now, I am, am blessed with uh, a fairly iron stomach, um, every so often, you know, I'll get, I'll get some gurgles, but for the most part I run in town. So even if I'm, if I'm in town at four o'clock in the morning, get my miles in, like I know where the 24 hour Walgreens is. I know where the, uh, the public bathrooms are and what time those open. So I can kind of, you know, if I, if I kind of have that feeling that, that, uh, I might need to, to make a pit stop at some point today, um, I make sure to plan my routes accordingly so that I'm, I'm, you know, within, within range 
of if if you get that feeling like all right, I can get there in in less than a mile. Um, just got to get there. Just got to get there, and then we will be all better after that. So you know, I, I try to to reduce the risk of issue by based on where I'm running. And if I if I happen to be out on the trails, like I mean, whatever you know, it, it works. You, you you just do what you got to do out there. You know, make sure you're not using. Uh, poison ivy to uh to to do the little cleanup and you know back back on the trail get going like, i'm not I, i've never had to do that i've never really come close to needing to do that but if 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 the situation arose whatever take care of take care of it got to do what you got to do right um but definitely i think that, that the better option is to try to prevent it and some people just some people it's just something you struggle with so you just it's just you know it's kind of the nature of the beast um it's not fun not not enjoyable obviously but you know, try to try to pay attention to your diet. Try to pay attention to what you're eating, especially the the 12 to 36 hours before your long runs. Um, I have a pretty pretty good routine when it comes to what I eat the day before a long run. So most of my long runs are on Saturday mornings. So I have a pretty good routine of what I eat on Friday. Now it's not ironclad. It's not set in stone that I always have this at this time. Like I I I don't have the patience or the the uh, the dedication to stick to something like that. But like, I know that I know what food set well with me. I know what food seemed to help me run, run better. So if I have a really long run, I usually have some, some yogurt the night before yogurt, a little bit of blueberries on it, maybe a touch of maple syrup, um, a little bit carb heavier than, than usual. I might have some sweet potatoes at dinner, depending on, on what the plan is. Um, but I, you know, I like to keep, I, I have a, I, I do the cooking, so it's pretty easy. I, I kind of know what things work for me. And, and you know, like I said, it's not the same menu every Friday, but it's it's pretty similar avenues of types of food, pretty pretty simple, basic things that work well for me. That's what we usually have on, on Friday so that my Saturday runs are good to go. So pay attention to those types of things because that's going to help you reduce the risk of having the gurgles in, in the morning. Uh, maybe get up a little bit earlier before your long run. And go walk around a little bit, take the dog for a walk or just go for a little walk yourself, a little easy little, you know, quarter mile, half mile walk slash jog, and then come back to the house. And sometimes just getting movement going, gets things going. And then you can go before you need, you go out for your six, eight, 10, 12, 14 miler. And you've already taken care of business at the house. Good to go. Um, yeah. Other, other than that, I mean, just, just paying attention to what foods seem, seem to work well for you. Um, you know, if, if you're the type of person that has a cup of coffee and then has to go to the bathroom an hour later, well, don't have a cup of coffee before you run, you know, or have that cup of coffee and then plan your route so that 45 minutes to an hour later, you're by, you know, the gas station. You can, you can duck in there real quick and go to the bathroom and not have to worry about it the rest of the way. Um, but just, just kind of pay attention to your body, to the, to the, the symptoms of your body. Um, and, and, you know, if you need to do some trial and error, I guess trial and error is kind of the theme of this this episode so far. If you need to do some trial and error as you go with some, you know reducing some the, some foods the day or two before your your run, elimination type of things that might make your elimination a little bit uh, more predictable, then that's then that's what you need to do, um, or at least that's what I would advise you to do. And if not, then you know whatever you want to carry some toilet paper with you, you do you. But uh, it's not uh, not something that ever gets packed into into my uh, long run. Uh, uh, you know, it's not, it's not going in my vest. It's not going in my pocket, nothing like that. Um, but that's, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm mistaken there. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just going back to my country boy roots where it's just like, yeah, sometimes you just got to go and whatever, like, just go do what you got to do. Ain't no thing. Um, next question comes from Cynthia. She says, is high intensity interval training considered a form of cross training since it improves cardiovascular fitness or is it more of a strength training? Um, I, I've, I've struggled with this question because I, I, you know, see the questions beforehand. I, I struggle with this one because I, w- I would push back originally on the on the assumption that hit training improves cardiovascular fitness. I, I don't, I don't agree with that statement at all. Um, the the reason that it's, it probably gets touted as a cardiovascular thing is obviously it's, it, it works your cardio system, but it works at, at high levels. This is more of an anaerobic, high intensity. It says right there, high intensity. So you're not, you're not building an aerobic base with high intensity interval training. You're, you're at best working. It's just like a speed workout. It's like doing, um, you know, doing repeats, doing hill repeats, doing track repeats. Are you working your cardio? Okay. Maybe you're maybe improving your VO two max, which I think is a completely 
irrelevant stat for 99.999% of us, but that's a discussion for another day. Um, that's where it maybe improves your car- your cardio fitness. But to me, cross training is something that's building your aerobic fitness, and that's not high intensity interval training. That's not hit training at all. So, so to answer your question, then Cynthia, and I don't mean to make you feel bad or anything. That's not what I'm going for. I'm just trying to make this clear. Don't don't buy into oh I'm hit training, so that's improving my endurance. It's not. It's it's maybe improving your explosive speed, uh, your your sprint speed, which for most of us again doesn't really matter that much because we're not doing sprints. We're doing five k's, ten k's, marathons, halves, ultras, whatever. All those events that are, are aerobic, they're aerobic races, aerobic tests that have very little to do with our top high end speed. Um, definitely works as strength training, definitely works as strength training. So, uh, and, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm bashing on high intensity interval training. Uh, I'm, I, y'all know I'm a fan of strength training, do your strength training. And if you want to do it in a hit format, a hit class, a CrossFit, something like that, Hey, rock on. Just don't think for a second that you're getting a lot of aerobic benefits from those exercises because you're not and also something to keep in mind that those a they're strength training exercises so they're not really cross training they're strength training but b it's a stressful workout that might be something that you would do in lieu of doing speed workouts so if you're like ah uh, you know you're not buying into the full heart rate mafetone type of thing like i do but you're like hey i don't want to keep my easy runs easy i don't want to overdo the speed workout so i'll just do one speed workout per week, but then you're also doing three high intensity interval training classes at orange, the orange, orange, whatever it is, orange theory or CrossFit or something like that, or just doing them on your own or doing them at, at the gym. Well, that's like doing four speed workouts per week, which is probably a little bit too much. So just be, be aware of that, uh, that, that, that's that those, those workouts are pretty stress intensive. Um, good strength training, Love, love the idea of incorporating those into your routine, but from an aerobic standpoint, they're not moving the needle really at all, really at all. So I hope that that makes sense. Cynthia, if you have additional questions on that, please let me know. Um, but yeah, don't buy into the, the cardio benefits of HIIT training. It's like I said, it's, it's anaerobic at best, no aerobic benefits to, uh, to cardio training, uh, meaning lower intensity. You're not building your lower intensity energy. You're not building your base during a HIIT training session. Um, again, hope that doesn't confuse more than it helps. Hope that makes sense. Uh, next three, we've got a, a trifecta of questions all from my friend, Tom in New York says, uh, I usually take my long runs of eight to 15 miles on Sunday. And I usually eat a lot on those days on Mondays. I often take it as a rest day and my caloric requirements obviously drop because I'm not doing the, the type of mileage that I do the day before. However, my body seems to be screaming for calories on Mondays as I eat a more modest amount of food because I'm not exercising. Do you have any insights to this caloric whiplash? Yes, Tom. If your body is screaming for food, if your body is, you're getting the signals up, down, and sideways that you're hungry, eat. Eat. Uh, Our bodies don't really understand this whole 24-hour caloric window or one-week caloric window like we have have kind of put in place. So you, if you look at calorie trackers, you know, it'll say what's your calorie deficit or excess for today. How are you over or under for the week? Our bodies don't work like that. Our bodies are like, what do we need right now? And so, you know, even if you take in most of the calories that you burn during your long run, if there's still some repair work going on, your body is still making those adaptations and adjustments. It still needs the fuel. So just because, you know, you, you feel like your, your, your calorie counter or whatever, I don't know if, if you, if you're counting calories or anything like that, Tom, but you know, just because you feel like, Hey, I'm not doing as much today. So I don't need to fuel Yes. You don't need to fuel as much. You don't need to have, you know, whatever, an extra thousand or 1500 or 2000 calories. But if your body's really hungry, you know, first, maybe try some water, you know, cause the, the, there is science that shows that, um, the, the thirst signal and the hunger signal are basically perceived the same in, in the mind. So if you feel like you're really hungry, drink some water and see if that doesn't solve the problem. Cause that might, you might just be your brain trying to tell you that you're thirsty, but you're, you're recognizing that signal as being hungry. So you, you take it in food that you don't need. But if you take in some water, you're still feeling hungry, then eat, eat. Your body's telling you it needs nutrients. It needs fuel for, for keeping your body healthy, keeping you strong. So don't worry as much about, oh gosh, I'm not doing as much today. I shouldn't eat as much. If your body's giving you the signal, eat. Now, of course, you want to give a good good fuel. 
You know, don't just roll through the drive-thru and think that, that, oh, well, I'm hungry, so let me just eat some of this garbage. Like, no, give it good food, get get some some healthy stuff, fruits, veggies, things like that that are full of vitamins, full of nutrients, because that's what your body is ultimately wanting. Um, you know, we, we, our body gets the hunger signal because it's it needs nutrients. You know, you start craving certain things. It's, because, it's not because you're craving, you know, whatever. It's not because you're cra- craving uh, potato chips. It's because you're craving salts, you know, maybe some, although then once you have the first one, then your body starts to crave the potato chips because of the the science of the making of the potato chips. But, um, I I guess maybe that was a poor example, but you know, you're trading, you're you're craving something that, that seems a little bit awkward. It's not because like that one random food sounded good, but there's some nutrient, there's some something in that, that, that our bodies are, are in need of. And so you start craving that certain item to, to get that macronutrient or micronutrient, I guess. Um, so, so long story short or long, short answer long. If your body's hungry on Monday, eat, um, you know, don't, don't be afraid of having a few too many calories as long as they're good, good calories. And as long as you're taking care of your hydration level so that you know that you really are hungry, give it what you need because your bodies don't go, Oh, well, we're not doing as much today. So we don't, we don't need, no, no, it needs, it's still, we're still working on the deficit from yesterday. So don't be afraid to eat. Uh, next question from Tom. What do you put on your tacos? Oh boy, taco question. This is where this is where you get in trouble. This is where you, I, I could I could make a misstep with my answer here and never hear the end of it. Um, and that's probably what's going to happen because I am not I am not anti taco, not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but being a, a low carb guy, I don't really eat tacos, especially if I'm going out somewhere. I'm I, you're never going to see me order order tacos unless we go to just a little taco place or unless I'm in Mexico. Then maybe I'll get some tacos there. Um, but I don't want the flour tortillas. I don't even want the corn tortillas. I don't do much for grains either. So, you know, like I, I don't, I don't do those types of tacos. We have tacos at the house though, on a, you know, fairly regular ish basis. So I'll use like the, uh, the, the lettuce wraps, some romaine, something like that as my taco shell. So I know that most of you are already t- cussing me out for bastardizing tacos by, by using a piece of vegetable for a shell, as opposed to some type of tortilla, but that's how, that's how I roll. And I'm answering Tom's question. How do I, how, what do I put on my tacos? So that's, that's the first thing I start with some type of, of lettuce romaine or some type of cabbage leaf, some type of big lettuce leaf for my shell. When it comes to meat, I'm equal opportunity. I'll take the beef. I'll take the chicken. I'll take the, the sausage. I'll take the seafood type of stuff, whether it's, it's fish, whether it's shrimp, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm equal opportunity when it comes to the base layer of the taco. When it comes to the extras, the add-ons, the, what other things am I going to put in there? fairly, fairly open to a few different options. Um, you know, I'm not going to put shredded lettuce in there cause I've already got the lettuce as the shell. So got my base covered there. Um, I'll take tomatoes over salsa any day of the week Tomato, you know, diced up or chopped up tomatoes over salsa for sure. Um, if you've got beans, I'll probably put some beans on there. Uh, you know, a little bit of, of probably black beans over refried beans would be my, would be my preferred option. But again, you know, beggars can't always be choosers. I'll, t- I'll take whatever. Um, when it comes to cheese, I'll take cheese and, and I, I'm very equal opportunity on the cheese, you know, melted cheese, uh, shredded cheese, whatever cheese. I'll, I want the cheese. I, I definitely want some cheese, um, onions, peppers, things like that. I like them sauteed versus raw, um, rice. Meh. I mean, kind of low carb guy, so I'm not real keen on it, but you know, I'll take a little bit of rice maybe on occasion or some cauliflower rice, add a little extra vegetable to it. That's, that's, that's an all right ad. Uh, for me, the, the problem is I run out of room because the, the romaine leaves usually aren't, aren't as big as like a big, you know, size of, of your kitchen table tortilla that you can just wrap everything into. So, you know, I got to hit and hit and hunt and peck and hit and miss on what I take. But those are, those are, that's basically it. Any type of combination of those fixings with pretty much any combination of meat, I'm good to go. Don't need any, any random sauces or anything like that. I've got, I've got all I need right there between the meat, the lettuce wrap, uh, hopefully some tomatoes, some sauteed stuff, a little bit of cheese. Good to go. Now y'all tell me what I did wrong. Where, where, where did I screw up the taco answer? Let me know what I'm missing. Uh, but that's uh, maybe a little cilantro. If we have some cilantro, I'll put some of that on there as well. But, uh, that's, that's a good taco for me. Um, and the last time's last question, do you have any experience with vests that illuminate versus vests that are merely reflective as an early morning runner? I always wear a reflective vest, but I'm considering an illuminating vest. Um, I have no experience with vests period. Um, I don't wear a reflective vest. I don't wear an illuminating vest. I am probably a bad nighttime runner. Um, 
because I don't wear some of those those things that I probably should. Um, when I do, I do tend to wear, especially for my long runs, you know, my, my water pack, which does have some reflective tendencies or qualities to it. So I do have a little bit of reflection there. But as far as your, your question, Tom, my 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 answer, if I was going to pick one or the other for myself, I would probably go with the illuminating vest because the, the idea here, of course, for any of us that we're running in the dark, the idea is to make yourself as, as standing out to any traffic as possible. Meaning you want to look different than anything else. You don't want to look like you've got a reflector from a mailbox. You don't want to look like uh, some type of reflect, like the reflective tape is okay or the reflective vest is okay. But if you have something that's like a, a vest that's blinking and flashing and doing this, if that doesn't drive you crazy, I think that might drive me crazy to have a, a blinking while I was wearing it. But if you have that th- type of thing, blinking and flashing and going nuts, that's going to be, that's going to catch the driver's eye and be like, what the heck is that? Let me get, move over a little bit, give, oh, that's a person. Let me give them a little bit of space as opposed to if they don't notice the, the, the blinking and the flashing, then, you know, that's, that's when they're not going to move over. Uh, because our, our, our minds are crazy things and they're, they're trained to kind of take in all this visual information, but there's so many things that, that it takes in that it doesn't process because it doesn't seem like it's, it's worth processing. So you want it to stand out because that, that then triggers the mind to be like, what the hell is that? And, oh, it's a person. Well, I don't want to hit the person with my car. Um, so, you know, you, you want to stand out and I think of a reflect, uh, a flashing vest is probably going to be as, as about as, as standoutable as it gets. So, you know, if, if it's not too heavy, if it's not too bulky, if it, if it, if it's comfortable to wear, I think that's probably the best in terms of safety. Um, don't count on it, lighten your path, but at least standing out to the, to the traffic, that's probably the best bet. Um, but either would be better than what I currently wear. So I guess, I, I don't know if I have a whole lot of room to, to tell you which is best when I don't, uh, follow either, but that would be my, that would be my assumption there, Tom, or that'd be my, my educated, uh, reasoned answer to your question. And, and maybe it's a little kick in the pants for me to make sure to, to think about getting a little bit more reflective gear going for me. Uh, Karen has, has a question. We got two questions left to go. Next one comes from, from Karen says, what are your thoughts on running with someone for a race with the fall race season coming up? Uh, in a, in a couple of months, I think this is a good question. In the past, I've started different races with friends and then they have slowed down and told me to go on. Luckily, it is always something we have talked about beforehand, but I've heard people getting quite upset when this happens. I think also maybe discussing how you plan on handling aid stations. Some people prefer to run through them while others take that time for a quick walk. Also, I think about, I think asking about the finish line of whether you want to finish together or sprint. Can you think of anything else you might want to discuss? So there are no hard feelings after a race. Karen, this is a, this is a great question. And, uh, it's definitely something that, you know, the, the, the initial answer, and you've got it, you've got it pretty much right there in your question is the communication. You got to communicate, be on the same page before the race starts, because during a race or uh, trying to figure it out. But when you get in the starting corral, you're waiting for the race to start. That's, that's not a good recipe. Um, that, that's, that is the recipe for hurt feelings for one person thinking that we're running this thing together, no matter what. And one person thinking that, Hey, we're running together until one of us wants to go. And then we're going and leaving, leaving the other person in the dust and no hard feelings that, that those types of, of miscommunications create hard feelings. And hopefully it's not enough to, to end a friendship, but certainly it's, it makes for an awkward ride home. If you if you rode together, um, so, so having those, those conversations beforehand is key. And ultimately, I mean, you got to, you got to break down as much as you can, every possible scenario. So the ones you mentioned are, are spot on. You know, if somebody's starting to fade, are we sticking together or are we breaking apart at that point? And, and again, be clear, this is, this is what we're doing. Either we're doing this or we're not, you know, our, if, if I need to go, am I going to go or, or not be, be clear on that. Um, be clear on the aid stations, especially if it's like an ultra, are we blowing through it or are we stopping and, and taking a few minutes? Um, you know, what, what are we doing there? Or, you know, in, in a road race, are we walking or not? What happens when we, when somebody needs to go to the bathroom, are we both waiting for, for the, the one person to go to the bathroom? Um, do we keep going and the person will try to catch up? Did, did the, does the one person keep going, but like walk so that you're making some progress, but you're not, you're not running too far ahead. Like, what do you do in that situation? Um, all of those types of things need to be discussed beforehand. What are we doing at the finish? Like you said, are we, are we finishing together hand in hand? Are we, are we racing each other on the last quarter of a mile? Um, you know, what, 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 and then, and then you start to maybe get into some of the specifics for the race. So I'm thinking, thinking about a Disney race. Are we, are we both stopping for pictures or if one of us wants pictures or, or how do we do that situation? Maybe there's a, 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 
it's a scenic race where, you know, what are we doing as far as pictures? Do, do, is it okay to stop for pictures? Like, like you want to get all of the possible, and you, you might not hit everything, but as much as possible, you want to be clear on all the logistical stuff. If we, if we separate, where are we going to meet afterwards? Um, but just communicate, 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 make sure you're on the same page. Um, you know, be on the same page about headphones. Are we running this together, but we're both listening to different music. Are we talking like all of that stuff you want to work out? Because the last thing you want is one person to think, think you're doing one thing. The other person thinking you're doing the other. And now you've got animosity or it's, it just turns out to be a crappy experience. Um, be on the same page when it comes to running together, racing together, uh, with a friend. So just communicate, 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 but great, great question, Karen. And and anybody who's thinking about running a race with someone else this year, please have these conversations beforehand so that, that, you know, when a situation comes up, y'all know what you're doing and it's no big deal. And, and there's no misunderstandings at all. Cause again, you don't want to see a friendship ruined or, or impacted because, you know, one person wanted to go for a PR and one person just wanted to, to cruise along and you didn't, you didn't communicate that beforehand. So communicate, communicate, communicate. Last question comes from new Orleans. Miss Virginia says, uh, thoughts for back of the pack runners and, uh, excuse me here. Just making sure I can read the whole question. Thoughts for back of the pack runners and marathon training. I'm complete. I've completed eight half marathons with a PR of three Oh seven and will be starting soon to train for my first full in February. I've taken an online plan and intend to tweak it based on the tips from, from my book. All right, great. Well, glad you got the book, Virginia. And yes, use that. That's, that's perfect is having a, a plan to work from, tweak it, adjust it based on your needs. So that's perfect. But wanted thoughts about the furthest long run. Any benefit for back of the Packers going 22 to 23 miles versus 20? Is that amount of time on the feet too much for three weeks before race day? Uh, thank you. So Virginia, great, great question. And, and it's another one of those kind of questions that there's not, there's not a great answer to give across the board. And to be quite honest, there's probably not a great answer for me to give to you specifically right now when your race is still six months away. Um, it, you know, one of the things I said in the book and, and to just stress it again is to try not to, to feel like the, feel the need to write out the whole entire plan beforehand. Write out a chunk of it. Write out, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of about two weeks, but whatever, two weeks, three weeks, whatever. Write out a few weeks at a time and then update as you go. Because on the surface, I don't see anything wrong with anybody going 22, 23 miles versus 20 versus 18. All right. Um, as far as being physically ready, as long as you're getting enough other runs in, you're, you're getting the time on your feet, you'll be good to go. Okay. Now to me, the benefit of going 22 or 23 miles is, is mental is psychological. It's getting to where you've only got about a 5k, you know, three or four miles to go. Um, and, and the race day adrenaline, the race day excitement can kind of carry you over those last four, four miles. But you know, if you, if you've never gone past 20, some people that's fine. If you're a bit weak mentally, like I am, that can be a struggle of going, wow, this is, this is, a 10 K this is six miles farther than I've ever gone before. If, if you don't feel like that's a problem for you, then, then 20 miles is plenty. Um, as far as having three weeks from the last long run to the, to the race, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. As long as there's no injury that develops, of course, but it's just as far as recovery time tapering, you'll be fine. So really to me, I think the, the best answer for your question is to kind of wait and see until about Christmas time until about new year's time when you'll see how your training is going how you're feeling? How do how do you feel after an 18 miler? How do you feel after a 16 miler? How do you feel after some of these other long runs? What's what's your life look like for the next few weeks? If 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 you got pretty flexible schedule, you've got the time to get a, a five hour long run in, then go for it. A six hour long run, then go for it. Go for those that you know a, a 20 miler. And if you're feeling good and you want to get an extra two miles, get the extra two miles in. Um, if you're feeling worn down, you're feeling beat. The the weather sucks. Then, then back off a little bit. Stop at twenty. Stop at eighteen. Uh, if everything else is going well, you're good to go. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, there's no way of knowing that now, in the end of July, where you're going to be in you know January. So as time gets a little bit closer, that's when it's time to kind of really zero in on what you what you are going to want to do to prepare for that race. Either option works. Either option should be fine in terms of tapering and recovering and being rested and ready to go on race day. Uh, it just kind of depends on how things shake out between now and then. So good job getting started soon. Uh, keep building that base, keep building it smart and intelligently and, and gradually. 
Um, and then, you know, when you get to, when you get to January, then you've got, you've got options on how you want to do it. Um, and you can always ask a question again down the road and, and, uh, I'll be happy to, to offer some advice then when it's a little bit closer than still six months away. So hopefully that makes sense, Virginia. I'm sorry. It's not a great answer of what you should do one way or the other. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's, there's benefits to going farther. There's, there's reasons to not go farther. Of course, there's some people that say you shouldn't go longer than three hours anyway, no matter what, which I, I, I struggle with that type of logic because for somebody like you, that means that you're running basically a half half marathon as your longest training run going into a marathon. Whew. That's, that's, uh, I'm not, I'm not real comfortable with that kind of idea. So, you know, you want to end up with, with 20, 21, 22. That's great. If you want to cap it at 20, that's fine too. See how your body feels in January and make that decision. So with that, that is the list of questions. And as expected, we're still going to be close to an hour. I'm not going to quite hit hit an hour for this one, uh, but that's what happens when apparently y'all take summer vacation. You you forget to to post your questions, and I'm sure I'm going to be regretting this next month when there's a two and a half hour Q and A episode because there's 47 questions that get thrown up in the Facebook group. But as always, if you ask them, I'll answer them. So if you want to get your questions answered in August or anywhere else in the future, head over to the Facebook group disruns.com/slash/facebook. Come on and join, join the party, be on the lookout for the next question Q and A episode post. And uh, throw your questions in the comments, and I will, I will answer them, whether they're serious questions, questions about tacos, questions about anything in between, running life or anything in between. Bring it on. I'll take your questions on next month. But uh, if you want to check out the show notes for today, there's probably a few links. There's certainly some memes and gifs, all that kind of good stuff will be there. Head over to disruns.com slash 755. You can, you can get all of the things from the website there. Um, so yeah, so that's where we'll, we'll wrap this thing up for today. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, everybody who kicked in questions this month. Certainly appreciate it. Uh, and uh, until next month, until until the next episode, y'all be well. Y'all take care. Thanks for continuing to talk about the show, promote the show. Uh, shout out to somebody in New, in New Jersey who shared the show with uh, a new listener that just connected with Rebecca on... A, this new listener's name is Rebecca. I just connected with her on Instagram. Um, she said that one of her friends from the running club suggested the podcast. She checked out and likes it. So thank you, Rebecca, for listening. Thank you to the friend for spreading the word. Appreciate that type of thing. So until next time, y'all take care, all right? Uh, see you guys.